Good morning. Welcome to Mission View Church. My name is Matt. I'm the lead pastor here. If this is your first time here, you've come to a great time, a great weekend. We're having baptisms this morning. Very excited about that. We've also been studying through the book of Mark, and we're going to be in Mark 12. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Mark chapter 12. Be spending some time there. But um, we've been looking at the life of Christ. It's just been an amazing study, uh, really a life-changing study to see um, the miracles that Jesus did, the calling of the disciples, and um, it's just been wonderful. But have any of you had a chance to watch the uh, TV show, The Chosen? Has anybody seen that? Um, I would encourage you, um, as we've been going through the book of Mark, uh, we'll be finishing up the book of Mark around Easter time, but in between now and Easter, maybe if you have time to watch the first season or two of The Chosen, it's really helpful. As I've been looking back, looking at those um, episodes and then looking into the book of Mark, it's just so cool to see the that come alive on the screen, and I think they've done a really good job with that. So this is uh, something you can do for fun um, on, in your own time at home. But um, last, last few weeks, we've looked at how the Pharisees and the Herodians have challenged Jesus. That was two weeks ago. And then last week, we looked at the Sadducees, and we found out why they were so sad, you see, right? The, the bad pastor jokes that come every once in a while, and my kids, you know, will never let me live down. Dad jokes and pastor jokes, right? Which is worse? You don't know. I mean, six, one and a half dozen another, you never know, Right? And then um, this week we're going to be looking at um, another group of people who come to challenge Jesus, and it's the scribes. So we had the Pharisees and the Herodians, the Sadducees, and now we have the scribes here in Mark chapter 12 in verses 28 through 34. This is one of my favorite texts in all of Scripture. Uh, And one of the reasons why is because this question that this scribe asks Jesus is so pivotal, so powerful. Uh, What he comes to Jesus with... uh, We'll get into this, but I think he's coming asking a good question. I don't know that he's as much challenging Jesus as the Pharisees and the Herodians and the Sadducees did, but asking a genuine question and having real concern. And he he asks Jesus, what's the most important thing? What's the most important thing in life? And I mean, when we think about what's the most important thing in life, I don't know about you, but I wonder that question too. What's the most important thing I can do with my life? What do, I, what do I do my, my mon- not just Sunday morning, but Sunday afternoon and evening, Monday through Saturday, where I spend my time, where I spend my finances, where I spend with the gifts that God's given me, what can I do? How can I live my life to most glorify God? And Jesus answers this question in powerful and amazing way and something that we really need to kind of lock in in our minds and in our hearts. Now in Mark, Mark 12, 20. 28 through 34, we actually get um, our purpose statement as a church. And we have, we have three statements that, that we hold very important here. It was a mission statement, a vision statement, and a purpose statement. Our mission here at Mission View Church is simply said to make disciples, two words. And, and we get that idea of making disciples from the Great Commission, where Jesus is kind of last marching orders to his apostles were to go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, which we're going to do this morning. You're going to witness that this morning. But that is our mission, to go and make disciples. These are, these are people who passionately obey and follow Jesus. They live their lives for Christ, for the glory of God. And then we have our vision statement. Our vision statement is to reach the 200,000 with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the love of God. And that 200,000 number was not just some number we were, you know, scrolling through or just 
brought out of nowhere. These, the 200,000 idea came from um, some studies that I was doing before I moved to North Canton to be the pastor at Mission View Church. And I, I, I came across a study that was done, I think it was back in 2012, a spiritual survey of Stark County and the surrounding municipalities. Some 800,000 people that were surveyed and asked about their spiritual walk. 200,000 of them claimed no religious affiliation whatsoever. And praying about moving my family here, ministering here, that to me was what a great, just a great opportunity. What a great opportunity to share the good news of Jesus Christ and to share the love of God with our neighbors. There's people living next door to you. Maybe you're working with them. Maybe they're family members that don't know Jesus. And that is a great opportunity. It started out as reaching 200,000, but that, that number has become an idea. An ideal moving forward that we stay missional as a church. That we keep the main thing the main thing. And we're going to talk about that today. But that we keep that right in front of us. That we are going to be reaching the lost with the love of God. The good news of Jesus Christ. So I'm really excited about this. Um, let's jump into this text. Before we do though, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning. And every morning and every day. Father, I pray that as we look into this account of of your son's life, God, that the truth that he drops on this scribe would be dropped into our hearts deeply. By the power of your spirit, God, we ask that this truth would come to life, that it would change us, that your truth would change us by the power of your spirit. We don't want to walk out of here the same person that we walked in because we've met with you, our creator, God. Father, use me. Give me the words to share for your kingdom and for your glory, for our good. We submit to you, Father. In your name we pray. Amen. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that Jesus, he answered them well, asked him, Which commandment is the most important of all? Now before we go any further, I want to give you a little bit of heads up on who the scribes were. The scribes were scribes. They wrote things down, but there's more to uh, a scribe writing things down. Uh, These were kind of the lawyers of the day. The scribes were, if there was any ever a a dispute about the law, uh, you would go to a scribe and the scribe would discern these things for you. Uh, If there was any of those things going on, that you would go to the scribes. They didn't just write down these things to preserve the scriptures. We can thank the scribes for the uh, Old Testament that we have today, that it was retained and by their work. They, would, they were meticulous in the writing of the Scriptures. They would count out every letter. They would count out every space. They would count out every little thing in the Scriptures, and they would write it out over and over again to preserve God's Word. These were the scribes and, and what they did. So we're, we're thankful for the scribes and what they did. And here's what this scribe comes to Jesus with and, and this question. Which commandment is the most important of them all? That's a great question, isn't it? You think about that. And if you're looking into Christianity, if you're looking in, into who Jesus is, if you're, you're wondering about what's the most important thing we can do as Christians... Here it is, right out of the mouth of God, right out of Jesus' mouth. It is as Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
There is no other commandment greater than these. This is a remarkable statement. I mean, this is a mind-blowing statement. Here we have a scribe. This is the guy who, if there's any disputes, if there's, we're wondering about what this law means or how to apply this law to my life, how, how we follow this rule that God's given us, this is the guy you go to. This is who you would ask. And there was over 360 laws. It started out as the Ten Commandments, God's law to man, Ten Commandments. But over time, many traditions came to be that became a part of the law, that actually weren't supposed to be a part of the law. And if you remember, back when we went through Mark chapter 7, it said that some of these traditions and laws that crept in, that were created by these scribes, Pharisees and Sadducees, actually made it impossible for the people of God to follow the law of God. So he had... 360 some laws that he was overseeing, that he was discerning, that he was sharing with the people of God. Jesus says two things. All of it can be summed up in these two things. This is the most important thing you can do with your life. All 360 some of these things that you've been writing down, that you've been sharing, that you've been lawyering out. Right here. Two simple things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, with all your strength. The second, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Now get this. The scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one, that God is one. And there is no other beside him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding, with all the strength. And to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. The first thing I really want us to, to take away from this, this morning, it's really simple. Two words, first point in your notes, love God. Love God. Sounds simple, doesn't it? Just love, love Jesus, right? I love Jesus. We sing, we sing these songs every Sunday morning, and I don't know about you, but every time, every time we sing these songs about a loving Savior who gave his life for us, who leaves the 99 to find the one, to think about the sacrifice that he would make for you and me, it, it gets me in the feels every Sunday morning, right? It's so hard for me. For the first 20-some years of ministry, I was a worship leader. And um, leading the songs every Sunday morning. And it was, it was easy for me to lead the congregation as I'm playing guitar or another instrument and thinking of the chord changes and the rhythms that need to be played, the melodies that need to be sung, the harmonies that need to be sung, and all the technical side of worship as I'm leading the band and leading the church in worship. It helped separate me from what was actually going on a little bit. It, it kind of... Um, 
it kind of blocked a little bit of, of what the meaning of the lyrics were. Not that I wasn't thinking about that, but I was more concerned about, you know, the drummer staying with the bass player and the keyboardist playing the right parts and the harmonies singing along with me and me singing along with the harmonies. And then I was worried about the congregation. Were they singing? Was it songs they could sing? Were they connecting? Was, it, was, was this a good you know, time for them that we were creating this atmosphere of worship. It was God being worshiped. And I had all these different things going on in my mind. And as I'm a lead pastor now, I I remember coming for the first probably three years of sitting in uh, the audience uh, during worship, I just couldn't sing. I would start to cry. I couldn't get a word out. After years and years of leading worship, it was very meaningful to me to lead worship. But to have all of those different responsibilities and thoughts out of my mind and just come and then think about what we're actually singing about. I just couldn't sing. I was a wreck. It was embarrassing. That's one of the reasons I sit in the front row. Because you don't want to see the the mess that's happening. Right? It gets me every time. I love Jesus. That he would would die for somebody like me. I'm such a wretched, sick man. I don't deserve... I don't deserve the love of God, the grace of God. I just, there's so many things that discount me from, from being a part of his family. And I think about those things, and then I think about that he would leave heaven for me? That he would hang upon the cross for me? He had a choice. He didn't have to hang there. He's creator God. They hit the reset button one time before and flooded the earth. He could do that again, but he didn't. Well, he promised he would never flood the earth again, but he could have started it over some way, somehow. I don't deserve that, that death. I don't deserve any of that. And then we sing about it, and I'm just like, I'm a puddle, man. I'm a hot mess. But we should be. Because this love that God has for us that's really what loving God stems out of. It, it takes God for us to even love God. There has, to be, there has to be some type of supernatural revelation. There has to be some type of supernatural intervention for us to actually worship God. There's this great exchange that happens as we come here. And I, I'm, I know how it is. Man, it's early. We're like, oh my goodness. Where's the coffee? Dave, coffee man, where's the coffee? Lisa, did you get the coffee on early enough? You know, we drink our coffee, we come in, we're tired, we're exhausted. It's been a long week. And then we come into worship. And God does something that only God can do. We are fully and completely dependent on God to be God in our midst for us to even speak out these things and and worship and come to Him and pour out our hearts and praise. This offering of worship to God depends on God. This supernatural intervention. But here's the other thing. In John 14, 15, it talks about loving God. And Jesus says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. See, love for God is, is actually... Love lived out for God is obedience to His Word. Who here has tried to be obedient to God's Word? Anybody? Okay, great. Lots of us, right? We, we try to be obedient to God's Word. How's it going for you? Right? <laughs> right? 
We, we struggle with that, right? Like, none of us are perfect. We all struggle to obey God. Like, we love God, right? We love Jesus. We have this passion in our hearts and we're this thankfulness and gratitude to God in our hearts. And we want to obey God. But then we go out in, into the world and we try and live our lives. And man, it's like, I don't know about you, it's like banging my head against a brick wall. I want to love the Lord. I want to obey God, but I don't obey God fully all the time. I struggle and I mess up and I I trip and I fall and I say things I shouldn't say and I I do things that I shouldn't do. And the crazy thing about God's love is He loves us anyways. Did you know that there's not one sin that you've committed or will commit that surprises God? God? When we make a mistake or we do something wrong or sinful in our lives, God's not up there going, Oh, myself, what am I going to do with Matt? That's not what he's doing. God exists outside of time. He sees all things of all time forever in eternity. He's not shocked He's not up there just going, oh, i got to change my plans. Matt's gone right when he should have gone left. He holds us in the palm of his hand. And he loves us with a love that never, ever ends. Isn't that good to know? Do you love Jesus? Don't you just love Jesus? It's because of Jesus that that love never leaves us. It's because of Jesus that that love is available to you and me. Second thing Jesus says, love others. It's the second filling in your notes. The brilliance of Jesus, while he's God, should never cease to amaze us, right? I look at this text, it's very simple. All of these laws, 360-some laws, we're going to just sum it down here into two things. Love God, love others. But he says it in that order on purpose. Love God, love others. And here's, here's the, the amazing thing about that is as we learn to love God and grow in obedience to God and grow in our relationship with Jesus, this real relationship, this, this personal relationship that we have with our Creator, as we grow in that love for Him, we live out obedience to Him because He loves us. It says, the Bible says that we love Him because He first loved us. So in that first loving us, we start to love him and we start to love him by obeying his word. He then says, love others. And we, here's the catch. We can only love others because of the love that God has revealed and shown to us that he has for us. Because here's the hard truth. I don't know if you don't, I don't know if you know this or not, but you're not always lovable. I'm not always lovable. My wife tells me that all the time. Well, not all the time. No, we're not. None of us, none of us are lovable 24-7. I mean, we get hangry. We skip breakfast every once in a while. Or we go on a diet. Which I just started one. 
And you get, you know, you have all these things going on and, and you're not that pleasant to be around sometimes. And then we have to deal, like my wife's going to have to deal with my hangriness, right? And those different things. I'm not always lovable, but here's the beauty of it. We, we aren't called by God to love others because they're lovable. We're called to love others because he tells us to. Because he commands us to. And it's not just the people you like. You are called to love your neighbors. You're called to love your enemies. You're called to pray for those who hurt you. How are we going to do this? How are we going to live this out? By going back to the first command. God loved me when I was unlovable. Jesus died for me when I was his enemy. When I deserved God's wrath, lost in my sin, convinced that my sin was righteousness, blind to my own blindness, totally oblivious to the things of God and the righteousness of God, Jesus died for me. And as I was talking about the amazement of God's love, it's the amazement of God's love that compels me to love those who talk bad about me. It has convinced me to love people that are unlovable and give my life for them. Why? Because Jesus did it for me. That's the beauty of the gospel that we get to live out for our neighbors, for our friends, for our spouses, for our kids, for our enemies. We actually get to do what Jesus did for us in here right now, out there right now, with our neighbors right now. This is the gospel opportunity for every single one of us. And it all stems out of the love that God has shown to me and you. That is our purpose statement This is why Mission View Church exists, to love God and to love others. And we only rightly love others when we live out and understand and continue to grow in our understanding of the love that God has for us in the person of Jesus Christ, revealed to us by the power of the Holy Spirit. What a beautiful and amazing thing. We love others because we love the Lord. The last thing, last filling in your notes is this. We need to keep the main thing the main thing. Keep the main thing the main thing. Don't forget the fundamentals. I think of the greatest coaches in sports and all of the greatest coaches in sports, Tony Dungy being the one that I most comes to my mind right now, but they will always tell you, if you want to have a championship team, if you want to win a championship, you have to always go back to the fundamentals. You will never win a championship in basketball unless you rebound well, you defend well, that you run your offense well. These fundamental things, you're never going to win a Super Bowl unless you have these blocking and tackling things done right from the very beginning, the fundamentals of the thing. Now, really what Jesus is getting at and the answer to this question is, don't forget the fundamentals. Love God, love others. It is great. I mean, it is wonderful to grab your Bible and open it up and grab some theological idea 
and spend, you know, some really good time studying it and getting a commentary beside it, a systematic theology beside it, and then watching some YouTube videos of professors at different seminaries and getting their perspective on it. That is wonderful. We should all be doing that. That is, that's great stuff to do. But if that's not inspiring you and convicting you and compelling you and propelling you out to share the love of God, quit wasting your time. Keep the fundamentals, the main thing, the main thing. God loves you. God died for you. And God's commanded you to go and share that love with the world. It is that simple. All of the laws can be summed up into these two main things. And we so oftentimes get caught up in arguments over debatable theologies. We get caught up in how loud the music is or how cold the baptismal waters are or, or whatever it may be, how the chairs are set up, what color the carpet is, what the color the paint is on the building, that there's not a cross on the outside of the building. We can get caught up into all these different arguments and all these different things and we're missing out on the entire calling and purpose of our lives. Now, I'm not saying that any of those things I just mentioned aren't important. I think all of them are. But they're not as important as sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. If that's, those things are going to hold us up, stop us from doing the great commandment and living out the great commission, then we're, then we're missing it. We're missing the boat. We have to share the love of God and the good news of Jesus Christ. Mission View Church, we're going to stay missional, period. We are going to do this calling, this commandment, the commission that Jesus has given us. Because it's life-changing. When we think back, and I would just encourage all of us to do this regularly, but thinking back to the time where Jesus came into our lives, where he grabbed us from death and brought us to life in him, He's calling us to share that with everyone that we know. And that's what we're going to do. Amen? Let's look at love, biblical love. Because, I mean, you know, I love love sermons, right? These, everybody likes a love sermon. God loves you. Mm-hmm. Jesus loves you. His love will never stop for you. Mm-hmm. Right? Pastors always, that's a great sermon. Fills the pews, right? Chairs. Let's, let's look at what real biblical love is. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8 says this. It's our biblical definition of love. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Everybody's familiar with that scripture, right? Every wedding you've been to. Oh, it's just so wonderful. Mm, get you right in the feels every time. Mm, just good stuff. But let's think about this for a minute. Let's look. At, is that text still up there? Good. Look at this. Look at all the lines. Look at all the words. What's missing? There's something missing. Your feelings. Does, does any of that talk about Feelings. I don't know about you, but I grew up in this world thinking that love was feelings. I, I, I just head over heels. It was butterflies in my stomach. Maybe this one. 
I just fell in love. I just fell right in love. I hear this one all the time. I just fell out of love. Like love is some black hole we fall in and out of. Right? Here's the truth. This is the truth. Love is a verb. Love is actions that we take, decisions we make. Love is lived out. God modeled this biblical love for us in that He sent His only Son. For God so loved the world that He gave. Love is self-sacrificing. Love is all of these things. It doesn't rejoice at wrongdoing. How much rejoicing at wrongdoing do we see our world doing right now? How much of rejoicing at sin do we see our world doing right now? It rejoices with the truth. Love speaks the truth. Now it speaks it in love. It speaks it in kindness. It speaks it in preference to the other person. But it speaks the truth. It rejoices with the truth. And it's a, this is a crazy... I don't know about you, but for me, when this, when this scripture really started to come to light, I was like, man, love is hard. I mean, think about it. Love is patient. What? I'm not patient. I was like, right then, I'm not a loving person. Disqualified. I'm out. No. God calls us to love. Actually, this is a... The, the, really what this verse is about is God. This verse is a descriptor of Jesus. It is a descriptor of God, the Father. It is a descriptor of the Holy Spirit living in us. And then, therefore, since it is that description, it is our calling to reflect these things to our world, the love of God. Now, and we can only do that empowered by the Spirit. So let's read this again. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It doesn't insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. You know what we do with these kinds of verses? When you read it and you're just like, that's impossible. You know what you do with that? You pray it like this. Let's pray this together. Dear Heavenly Father, make us patient. Lord, give us kindness. Help us to not envy or boast. Lord, help us to not be arrogant, but humility. Just let humility overrun us. Lord, help me to not be rude. Lord, help me to not insist on my own way. Help me to not be irritable or resentful, God. Help me to be more like Jesus. Lord, help me not to rejoice at wrongdoing. Help me to know when wrongdoing is happening, Lord. Help me to see sin for what it is. And Lord, help me to rejoice in the truth. Help me to speak your truth in love. God, help me to bear all things. Help me to believe all things. Help me to hope all things. God, help me to endure all things by the power of your spirit. And God, I pray that your love for me, that your love in me, and that your love coming out of me will never end by the power of your spirit. And in Jesus' name, we all pray. Amen.